business plan. Alexander the Great, Plato, Aristotle, Leonardo da Vinci, and Marcus Aurelius all had in common. Something beyond their obvious geniality. Well, if you're like most people, you'll probably say something along the lines of, they were all historical figures who all achieved great things. Which is true. Or maybe you said that they're all long gone. Which is also definitely true. But there's something else. You see, although they all lived hundreds, if not even thousands of years ago, the life of every single one of these individuals is greatly documented in a few ancient writings, either written by them or their followers. And in those writings, they all left behind one of the greatest gifts that one could fathom. During my research, as I went through these ancient writings, trying to figure out the real secret origins of education and what formula they used to create so many minds back then. I mean, minds that are still remembered to this day. I stumbled upon something. You see, I noticed that every single one of these men shared five very specific principles that made them the great figures that they are remembered as. Principles that were somewhat common back then, but they were lost somewhere along the way. And today, less than 1% of the population has them. And for a very specific reason, the conditioning factory is trying to keep you away from finding out these because they know that those who possess these five lost traits, they're gonna break away from their social conditioning and stop being a product of the system. And of course, they wanna avoid that at all costs. But the truth is buried in these ancient writings. And my goal with this event is to rescue these five lost long principles that were once the foundations of the greatest breakthroughs humanity has ever experienced. And this is what I'm about to give you. Let's go back to the war that was set in motion by the execution of Socrates. Now, you may not be aware of this war, but you can see its battles. You actually see them being fought every single day. And maybe you even fight some of these battles yourselves. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. I'll give you an example. Have you noticed how lately it's kind of becoming more and more difficult to have a diversity of opinions? Today, if you say that men and women are different, you're labeled as a sexist or intolerant. And if you say that we should care about everyone independent of their race, that somehow makes you a racist. You see, the fight for diversity somehow led us to not have diversity of opinions anymore. And the fight for democracy somehow led us to suppress free speech and open debate. And the fight for inclusion created this cancel culture where certain views are just excluded. And I'm sure you too have experienced this yourself almost daily. And you too have probably asked yourself, how do we get to this point? Well, it turns out that they have been preparing the grounds for this to happen for some decades now. But before I can expand on that, you must first understand this, that all of these battles are a symptom of a much bigger war that's going on behind the scenes. So what is this war on then? It's a war on truth. And their goal? Push civilization to stage four conditioning, where they completely control what truth is. Now, what does that even mean? War on truth, controlling the truth. 
What does that mean in practice? Well, for you to understand this, we first need to go back in time, back to the real origins of education. Not the education we know of today, I'm talking real education. The education that was responsible for creating the greatest outsiders that I mentioned at the beginning of this video. The likes of Socrates, Leonardo da Vinci, Alexander the Great, and many more. This, this is the real origin of education. It all started in ancient Greece. You see, in ancient times, the approach to education was very different from what it is today. The Greeks really cemented their name in history by providing the foundations for what would later be taught in Western universities throughout an entire millennium up until the Renaissance in the 1300s. And it was all based on one principle, the search for truth. They believed that freedom and truth were the ultimate outcomes an individual could seek and pursue. And in order for an individual to pursue such freedoms, they'd have to become critical thinkers, meaning they needed to be capable of analyzing the world around them and arriving at a clear understanding of what the truth really is. And they even had a Latin phrase that's still popular to this day to describe this search for truth. Quid ist veritas, which means what is truth? Now, why is this so important? Why was the pursuit of truth such a fundamental concept for the ancient Greeks? Well, think about it, right and wrong, good and evil, your values, your objectives, your culture, all of these are anchored to the understanding you have about what truth is. What you consider to be right is what another person considers to be wrong. Why? Because your interpretation of truth is different. And as a result, your conclusions about the world around you are different as well. So your beliefs are different and so are your values, which in turn opens up a series of interesting questions. For example, how can you tell who is right? you or the other person who has an opposing view? How can you tell which truth is the actual truth? How can you know your truth is factual? Have you ever thought about why you believe the things you believe and why you see them as truth? Are there logical reasons based on cold hard facts that support your view of what is the truth? And those are questions that you probably rarely ask yourself. And there's a reason why, because this is how you get to the truth. And the ones above you, they don't want you to know about the truth. They want you to be a product of the system, someone who does what they're told and nothing more. And in order for you to do that, you can't find out the real truth because if you did, you wouldn't do what they tell you. You would question them. You wouldn't comply. You would follow different paths. So the bottom line is they don't want you to get to the truth. And this is exactly how they keep you indoctrinated, a product of the system. So if for the first time in your life, you truly want to get to the truth and peek into what the way to freedom, not indoctrination, actually looks like, then listen closely. I'm not going to give you a peek behind the curtains. Instead, we'll look to ancient texts because what I just showed you is the first of five principles hidden in the ancient pages that have been written over decades and centuries ago by the greatest minds that have stepped into this world. And what I'm about to show you are the other four principles that created some of the brightest and most successful individuals in the history of mankind. People who succeeded outside of the traditional realm or formal path, which they were expected to follow by the establishment standards. And that's why I call them the outsiders, because they were able to unwire all the social conditioning that had been fed by the conditioning factory and to succeed outside of the system. They were able to forge their own path in a world which did everything to keep them at bay and it even cost some of them their life, like Socrates. These men were relentless in their pursuit of freedom. 
And if you adopt their principles, you can be too. You see, by becoming an outsider, you are able to unlock something that less than 1% of the world's population has today. Financial, location, and time freedom. And once you combine these five forgotten principles, you too will be able to become an outsider. So to recap, the first principle of the outsider is you must establish what truth means for you. Or in other words, you need to find out what truth you will orient yourself by. Because the truth that you choose to subscribe to will determine your success. Listen, if you choose to believe that you're destined for failure, if that's your truth, then you will be. But the opposite is true as well. That's why it's so important to establish what truth you will orient yourself by. What truth actually means for you. Now, ancient Greece cemented its name in history, not only for being one of the first civilizations to pursue the idea of truth, but because they developed a method to do so. You see, getting to the truth is rarely easy, especially because, you know, truth can be such a, a loose concept. I mean, after all, two people can recount the exact same situation in two vastly different ways. Now, is one more true than the other or is either recount true at all? So the first person to truly develop a method to get to the root of what truth is was our friend Socrates. And the really interesting part of his character is that he genuinely believed in his own ignorance. And this is exactly how he developed a method to find out what truth means. How? He used to literally walk the street of Athens and engage in conversations with people from all walks of life. I'm talking craftsmen, artisans, vendors, poets, politicians, young Athenians. And all he'd do was ask them questions, questions about their beliefs, their philosophies, and where their beliefs came from. And basically what he tried to do was to help others recognize their own ignorance as the first step towards wisdom. You see, he believed that by questioning and examining beliefs critically, one could actually move closer to the truth. He claimed to have no wisdom of his own and often described his role as that of a midwife, helping others give birth to their own understanding. Now, as he aged, Socrates' method and persistent questioning of Athens' values as well as influential figures, well, that made him many enemies. And that series of questioning was what came to be known as the Socratic method. This method allows you to get to the real foundation of your beliefs about a subject. Do you wanna know what the method looks like in practice? Well, you already know it. I mean, just think back to the series of questions I asked you a few minutes ago, the ones about the opposing interpretations of truths. That is the Socratic method, the exact same one we used in the mission of episode one. I've already taught you the Socratic method in practice without you even knowing it. And let me tell you something that is probably more than the modern education system has ever taught you about how to truly become a critical thinker, asking why you believe something until you truly get to the root of your beliefs. And the second principle of the outsider is to evaluate your current beliefs and figure out where your limiting beliefs come from. Remember what I told you in episode one? It doesn't matter how hard you work or how many different new ventures you try you will keep failing until you unwire the conditioning that makes you a product of the system. And it's only after you unwire all of it that you can truly succeed. And this is exactly what we're getting to here. So in order for you to evaluate your current beliefs and really understand where they're coming from, just go through the same questioning process using the Socratic method. Ask yourself, what are the limiting beliefs you currently have that are holding you back? Maybe you think you can't succeed outside the system. Maybe you think no one can, or perhaps, you think you need some secret knowledge to find this success. Now, think about it. Why do you believe such thing? 
Is it because you deeply researched and reflected on that topic to get to such conclusion? Or maybe it's because you've been conditioned to believe it, whether that be from your parents, your teachers, or even your friends. Then keep asking more questions until you get to the bottom of your beliefs to find out if they're rooted in truth or they're rooted in conditioning. Did this entire sequence of questions lead you to any conclusions? Did it change any of your beliefs? Did you realize anything new? Did you actually make a change or is everything just the same? It is only through this process that you are gonna be able to truly identify your limiting beliefs that are a result from all the conditioning the system has fed you your entire life. And it's only once you identify these core limiting beliefs that you can unwire them for good so that you're finally ready to achieve success. This is the Socratic method of getting to the truth. Now, you wanna know the most interesting part about all of this? Back in the day, Socrates used reason to discover and understand how the world works and how to get to the truth. Today, the system aims to destroy your reasoning because they don't want you to find out how the world truly works. This is how they keep you a product of the system. But actually, it's not just today. Listen, as you already know, Socrates was executed and his execution is often cited as a black stain on Athenian democracy and used as a case study of the tyranny of the state against those who dare to challenge it. Now, what did he get executed for? Corrupting the youth. It was alleged that he influenced the young men of Athens to question and challenge traditional values and beliefs. I mean, how big of a crime is that, right? His method of questioning everything, including the basis of Athenian traditions and beliefs, well, that irritated many of the city's leaders and thinkers. He used to question everything and everyone. And some of the most famous interactions were with the prominent political figures of his time. You see, by questioning them, Socrates often exposed that many of these influential figures, well, they couldn't adequately define or understand the virtues that they claimed to possess. And as you know, by this point, the last thing that the rulers want you to do is question the traditional values and beliefs. And above else, question them, much less encourage an entire generation of young people to do the same. And Socrates' execution was the starting point of the war that we're still fighting to this day, the war on truth. So what I wanna do now is exactly what Socrates did back then to encourage the millions of people watching this event. I want you to question everything because this very same thing is happening today. People who encourage the young generations to think for themselves and ask why certain traditional systems and institutions operate the way that they do, they too are getting digitally executed or canceled if you prefer. And it is our duty to fight against it. So now it's your turn to question. Three hundred and ninety-nine BC. As you've seen, one of the most pivotal days on the war on truth took place in that year. Socrates' trial. I mean, his trial remains one of the most famous judicial verdicts in history. The trial took place in a large open-air hillside, the Pnyx, in the presence of a jury consisting of five hundred male citizens, as well as hundreds of citizens who were there to watch. One thing you may not know is that one of those citizens present was Socrates' main prodigy at the time. Someone who you probably have heard of before. His name? Plato. You see, Plato was a student of Socrates for almost 10 years at that point. 
He was introduced to the world of philosophy through Socrates and was deeply influenced by his method of questioning. You know, the one I just taught you. Socrates was his mentor. And that day was the day that Plato's world fell apart. I mean, really imagine this. Plato stood there and he witnessed his mentor sticking to what he believed in, even in the face of death, all because Socrates had urged Athenians to think critically about their beliefs and values. What a crime. And very understandably, Plato was deeply affected by the Athenian democracy's decision to put his mentor to death. I mean, everything he admired about Athens and its political system was also killed on that day, which led him to do something that changed the world as we know it forever. You see, that was the end of Socrates, but that was the start of something so much bigger. So after the traumatic experience of witnessing his beloved mentor be sentenced to death, Plato began to develop his ideas about the nature of injustice, the role of the individual within the state, and the idea of the good. He went deep into physics, ethics, psychology, and education. And this ended up leading him to do something that is still remembered to this day, the foundation of the academy in Athens, which would later be considered the Western world's first university. And this really marked the real origin of the education system. And I'd say that is what ignited the war for the truth. I'd say the biggest thing to notice here is how the original education system differed from the modern day education system. Because it wasn't an education system that came from the government. It was an education system that came from the people. It derived from their frustrations towards the system. Now you might be wondering, but why is that so important? Because it had your interests in mind, not the government's interests. And that's why its objective was to get people to pursue the truth so that they could become outsiders themselves and achieve freedom outside of the system. Now, compare that to the Prussian schooling system from the 1700s, the same one that we still use to this day. Now, as you saw in the first episode, education is led by the government. And if it's led by the government, whose interests do they have in mind? Your interests or their interests? And this is where the shift in power happened along the way. It's when education stopped being educating yourself for your own self-interest and started to be educating yourself for the interests of the ones in charge. And today, all education is led by the government. Even private institutions, they still have to follow a strict curriculum that is imposed by the government. And this is really how they create an illusion of choice for you. Oh, you can choose this course or this university or this degree. This is how they trick you. Because at the end of the day, if their education is coming from the government, it is all different paths that lead to the same destination which is you being a product of the system. And that is why we steered away from education being based on the pursuit of the truth. Because they don't want you to know the truth. Now, have you ever heard the saying that history repeats itself? Well, it turns out that Plato too became a mentor himself to another very bright mind of the human race, which you probably have heard about as well. His name was Aristotle, and Aristotle too created his own school, the Lyceum. And it's interesting to note that the search for truth was so ingrained in the roots of their core values that each generation created their own version of the truth. I mean, it started with Socrates and his whole concept that he knew nothing. And then Plato dived deeper into metaphysics, which he considered to be his truth, and diverged from the original ideas of his mentor. He believed that true knowledge can only be grasped through reason and intellect, and that the true reality lies in the realm of the ideas, which exists beyond the physical world. Aristotle, on the other hand, well, he believed that knowledge starts from the material world, 
and he really emphasized observation, classification, and analysis, really laying the groundwork for empirical research and the scientific method. And now we fast forward a few years here and get to 343 BCE. Aristotle was now one of the most respected intellectuals of his age, and he received an invitation. You see, King Philip II from Macedonia wanted Aristotle to mentor his son, someone who you most likely have heard about before as well. Someone who later in his 20s went on to conquer more cities, more countries, and more territories than any other man or army had ever done before him. His name was Alexander, but you probably know him as Alexander the Great. Now, at the time, King Philip II, well, he already had the choice of sending his son to school in Macedonia. So why did he choose to appoint someone as his son's mentor instead? Because he wanted to provide an elite education for the future heir to his throne. And he knew that the best way to do this was by appointing a successful, renowned individual as the mentor for his son. So I told you this entire story to get to this point, which is, do you see a trend here? Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, Alexander the Great. You kind of notice something here, you know, did they have something in common? Well, for one, they were all independent critical thinkers. Despite the deep influence of their mentors, they all diverged from the initial philosophies that they were taught. And why is that? Because they were taught to be critical thinkers first. They put the search for their own truth above everything else. And that, as you know, is the first principle of the outsider. Second, I mean, have you ever asked yourself how come there were so many geniuses and incredible individuals back then? So why is that not the case anymore nowadays? It's because they all mentored each other. It's not as if they just became great by themselves. They all had a great mind that taught them the ways and forged their greatness. It's very simple. Greatness creates greatness. I mean, history is super confusing. So you hear all of these names and you just think, oh my, they were all geniuses back then, thinking that they were all separate people. But no, they were all intimately connected. I mean, they were all learning from each other. It's not as if these geniuses, these outsiders, were just created out of thin air. They were created, in part, by the ones who mentored them. You see, the way that education worked back then was that you as a father would entrust your child's education to a mentor that you personally considered wise. And this mentor would teach the children what he considered essential for them to become wise citizens and critical thinkers themselves. And even after the Romans conquered Greece, wealthy Roman families would still employ educated Greek intellectuals to mentor their children. I mean, think about it. Why would they let their own war enemies mentor their children? Because they knew that having a successful mentor was not one of the ways to make your child successful. It was the only way. And this is the third principle of the outsider. Have a mentor. Because history shows us that's the greatest way to ensure you'll achieve success in life. And that's why every single one of the outsiders I mentioned throughout this video had mentors. Listen, at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. Freedom, to be able to do whatever we want with whomever we want. Now for you, that might mean to be able to wake up one day and gather all of your best friends for a surprise trip to the Swiss Alps in your cozy chalet to enjoy a week of skiing. Or you wanna call the world your home and you wanna switch places every few months. 
a very tranquil Japanese Zen garden home in Kyoto, a nice chic apartment in New York's Upper East Side, and a quaint cottage in New Zealand's countryside. Or maybe all you wanna do is hire the world's best personal trainers and nutritionists to get you in the best shape of your life, all while enjoying gourmet meals tailored to your palate. Or maybe you decide to buy a vineyard in Tuscany and spend your days tasting wines and enjoying the Italian sun. Or you fund the building of a school in a remote country, like I personally started doing in Nepal in 2019, ensuring education for generations to come. Listen, whatever that experience may be for you, we all have different aspirations and goals in life. At the end of the day, I call it having financial location and time freedom. And today, the reality is that less than 1% of the world's population have managed to achieve these three types of freedom. And if you wanna be part of this 1% yourself, you need to ask yourself, how do you become truly free? Is what you're doing today gonna to lead you to becoming truly free? If not, why are you doing it then? Maybe it's something temporary. Maybe it's the only option you currently have. And that's totally fine. Listen, if you're not yet in a path that will take you to true freedom, it's not your fault. As you already know at this point, the conditioning factory has conditioned you to be there. Now the problem is when you don't ask these questions, when you never realize why you're doing what you're doing in the first place. And if having these three types of freedom is something that you aspire to have, you have to ask yourself then, what are the things that I need to learn in order to achieve such freedom? You see, the reason the ancient Greeks started to study science, philosophy, mathematics, was not because they wanted to be mathematicians or philosophers, but rather because they considered those as necessary characteristics to make you a critical thinker and as a consequence, make you pursue and achieve true freedom. Achieving true freedom was always the ultimate goal of education ever since ancient Greece. Now, from the moment that the system tells you what you need to study, this freedom is restrained. You see, the first idea of a school curriculum was developed during the Middle Ages, based on a lot of the same principles that they had in ancient Greece. They called it liberal arts. The curriculum that they developed back then, which was taught in Western universities, that developed civilization throughout an entire millennium up until the Renaissance. And the goal of it was pretty simple. Teach people a group of subjects that would allow them to achieve spiritual and intellectual freedom. And the freedoms were divided into three inferior and four superior disciplines. The inferior ones, also known as the trivium, were grammar, to decode the world we live in and communicate through words, dialectic, to compare different perceptions and evolve in the search for truth, rhetoric, to express our observations and conclusions in a persuasive manner, and the superior ones, also known as the quadrivium. And these were arithmetic, to quantify the world we know, geometry, to put quantities into space, music, to fit the numbers in time, and astronomy, to understand the influence of the stars in space. You see, they developed a curriculum that, when followed, would create individuals who could pursue and achieve freedom. So if you too wanna to become free, what do you need? You need to follow a curriculum. And obviously not the same curriculum that they followed back then because times have changed a lot and so have the means through which you achieve freedom. But you need to follow a curriculum that is based on the same principles. And I know what you're gonna say now. Oh, Iman, but there's no such thing as following a curriculum and becoming free. And that's true. The curriculum itself won't make you free, but it will instill in you all the knowledge you need to have about yourself and the world you live in in order for you to be able to pursue freedom. And here's the thing, if you think that there's no such thing 
as a curriculum that you're gonna follow and that will make you free. Just think about this. In the 1700s, the Prussians created a curriculum that was able to first indoctrinate entire generations to obey, comply, and believe what they were told without ever even questioning them. Then they used that same curriculum to create a legion of mindless, obedient factory workers to work in Rockefeller's oil industry. Then they used that same curriculum to get millions of people to happily get hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt just to get a useless piece of paper that doesn't even guarantee them any type of work or income. This is how they got ahead in the war on truth. So trust me, that's the power of following the right curriculum. I mean, really think about it. Which one do you think is harder to accomplish? To completely remove the free will of entire generations around the world, creating legions of mindless, obedient factory workers and getting them to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for the privilege to do so, or getting someone to make $10,000 a month. Listen, the truth is, as long as you follow the right curriculum, you can achieve whatever you want, whether that's for your best interest or someone else's interest. And that is the fourth principle of the outsider. Find out what curriculum will set you free. And I mean, really find out exactly what you need to be able to do, how you need to think and what you need to do in order to be free. Analyze the world around you. Look to the successful people of our time. How did they get there? And to make that easier for you in episode three, I'm going to reveal exactly how I crafted the curriculum that set me free as well as tens of thousands of others. Now, interestingly enough, the fifth and last principle of the outsider doesn't come from ancient Greece, but from their biggest rivals, the Spartans. You see, around the same time that all of this was happening in ancient Greece, a guy named Lysurgus of Sparta reinvented the Spartan education and training system. He called it the Agoge. This was the system that led the Spartans to dominate everyone who they met in the battlefield and allowed them to remain undefeated for over 150 years. And this entire system was based on one principle, that healthy, disciplined, able-bodied individuals are the key to a successful and functional society. And here's how the system worked. One man was chosen to be in charge of the boys as their pedonymous, as they called it, their mentor. And it was his job to make sure that the Spartans became loyal, resourceful, disciplined, and accustomed to extensive physical activity. And the Spartans also understood that if they wanted their citizens to become the most successful and unbeatable individuals, there was only one way to achieve that, by having mentors guiding the way for their entire generation. That's why being a pedonymous was considered an incredibly important role for the Spartans, because at the end of the day, they were responsible for bringing up the next generation of Spartans. That's why this position was only open to those who were eligible for election to the highest offices. You see, they wouldn't choose anyone to be the mentors of their next generation. They would only choose their most talented Spartan individuals to take this role because they knew that only greatness can create greatness. So if they were to have any mediocre citizens to be the mentor of their next generation, well, in that case, what would their next generation turn out to become? A generation of mediocre Spartans they understood that the level of success an individual achieves is directly related to how successful the people mentoring them are. Now, at this point as an outsider in developing yourself, you already understand this principle, but that's not why I brought up the Spartans here. You see, the system that Sparta created 
had another very interesting concept. The concept of enduring through intense hardship. And the second step of the Gauge system was all about turning students into individuals who can endure hardship. They would only give students one cloak for the entire year and made them walk barefoot to strengthen their feet. You see, they believed that if their feet were properly accustomed, they could run faster and jump higher than anyone in footwear. They were also taught on how to not fight with weapons and march in full silence. And the mentors would ensure that they were always hungry to some degree as well. Why? To put them into a perpetual state of discomfort. Because discomfort breeds discipline and discipline forges greatness. It was all about being a strong and disciplined individual. A disciplined individual who can resist the temptations that life throws their way and live a life of delayed gratification instead of instant gratification and has an extremely high likeliness of becoming successful. And listen, history proved this not only with the Spartans, but with so many different cultures and societies that operated under the same principle. And that is why this is the fifth principle of the outsider. Seek intense hardship to forge discipline and self-control because it is only through intense hardship that you will be able to create the best and most successful version of yourself. And on episode three, I will show you the exact protocol I use to ensure that I develop and maintain the highest levels of discipline and self-control that's needed for me to be able to properly manage my portfolio of eight and multi-eight figure companies. Now, the Agoge system was focused specifically on young adults. Why? Because they saw the young adults of Sparta as the city's greatest assets. And they were the ones that led Sparta to 150 years without defeats. And I know that more than likely you are a young adult yourself. So truly understand that these are your greatest years. The years that will either make you successful or entrap you into mediocrity for the rest of your life. So please make sure you make the most out of them because your time is limited. And all of this brings us back to today. And it begs the question, Aren't those principles outdated? And the answer is today, they're actually more relevant than ever. They're not only timeless principles. They're the principles that are most needed in today's world. And the ones who apply them in their lives will experience the same levels of success that the outsiders who applied them back in the days did. But you don't have much time left to apply them. In fact, this might even be your last chance. And if that sounds very intense or overdramatic, let me tell you why. We are one step away from the war on truth taking its final form. Don't get it twisted. Our side is losing and we're only a few chess moves away from the worst possible outcome, which is stage four conditioning. You'll remember that stage four conditioning is what the conditioning factory has been aiming for this whole time. Stage four conditioning is when they have complete control over the truth and you are stripped of all freedom and all choice. And then, it won't matter if you find out what your truth is because they will completely control the truth. It doesn't matter if you decide to follow a curriculum that has the potential of setting you free if freedom is not a thing anymore. And the conditioning factory is working at full steam to make that happen. Now, you might think that this dystopia is a product of science fiction, that something like this would never happen in real life. I mean, surely the government can't have total control of the truth, but they can, and it's already happening. Not once, not twice, but many times. And it's about to happen again. I mean, just think about how every dictator runs their country. It's through stage four conditioning. And soon, 
this dystopia may become reality in the West. Communist China and these other regimes weren't simply based on Marxism. They were also authoritarian states. And the first step towards authoritarianism is limiting free speech, which is exactly what we're seeing today. According to a recent survey conducted by the Cato Institute, over 60% of people today say that they are afraid of saying what they believe because of the current political climate. Does that look like free speech to you? If majority of people are not comfortable in saying what they believe to be true, and this is how it all relates back to what we're living today, right now. You see, the new philosophy that is sweeping across our society has its roots deeply fastened in Marxist ideology. It's the new wave of wokeism that you see everywhere. And this is exactly what led us here. Because in efforts of creating a culture of inclusion, they've created a culture of intolerance. The very thing that all of these groups swear to fight against. Diversity of thought has been replaced by exclusion of ideas and freedom of speech has eroded entirely. And if you don't conform, if you don't say the right thing, you will fail that class or you will be fired. And this is the essence of cancel culture. It is a world based on fear. No different from communist China. Fear is the control mechanism and it's enforced by Wall Street, the universities, and the cult-like followers of these ideologies. Because if you don't conform, you will be ostracized. And once you cross that line, there's no going back. Long story short, it might look like a far-fetched example, but know that today, if you live in a country like USA, Canada, Australia, Germany, UK, or any other American or European country, in fact, we really are all one conditioning stage away from a country like China. We are already in stage three and making leap towards stage four conditioning. And there is only one thing that can stop that from happening, the truth. Education was originally based on finding the truth. Aristotle, Plato, Marcus Aurelius, they all lived in a system where the search for truth and thus freedom was the number one goal. The problem is somewhere along the journey, there was a shift in powers and the ones who got to power, they stopped caring about the interest of their people and they started to put their self-interest first. They didn't care if that meant destroying the very principles that produce citizens that push society forward because that's not what their goal was. Their goal was simple to grow and perpetuate their power and control. And they figured something critical. Having their population know the truth was the greatest risk to their power. Because if the population was able to think for themselves and figure out what the truth is, well, then they wouldn't be able to lie and manipulate people. And that is how they plan to impose stage four conditioning upon us where you won't even be able to control your own truth anymore because you won't have choices. On the other hand, if we manage to take back control over the truth and get it to as many people as possible, we will experience the great rescue where the principles that once created the greatest minds that have ever stepped in this world will be brought back to life. And with it, we'll get back to the origins of education, education from the people to the people with your own interests in mind instead of the government's hidden interests. And it all depends on us. They were fighting the same war and followed the book on how to win it. So must we. We have the principles laid out by the greatest outsiders that have come before us. So now it's our turn to become outsiders ourselves by rescuing the same five principles and adopting them into our own lives. I have given you the five lost principles to become free and achieve success in whatever you do. And on episode three, I will show you exactly how I rescued these principles myself and implemented them in my own personal life, which ultimately led me to the success that I have today and how you too can rescue them in your life. 
So if becoming a top 1% man is something that you aspire to, what I need you to do is to turn on the alarm bell for the premiere of the third episode by clicking the link in the pinned comment. It's gonna go live on Monday at 5 p.m. UK time. In my opinion, this will be the best video of the entire series because it will show in practice what it takes to become an outsider, revealing exactly how I did it. Until then, I have one mission for you. These are our five lost principles. Number one, establish what truth means for you. The second, evaluate your current beliefs and figure out where your limiting beliefs come from. Number three, have a mentor. Number four, figure out what curriculum will set you free. And number five, seek intense hardship to forge discipline and self-control. We already tackled how to find your truth and establish your beliefs. So what I want you to do now is to think about the third principle. Think about this. Who currently is your mentor? Whether you want it or not, you are always learning from someone and your success will always be limited by the level of success from who you're learning from. So who are you currently learning from? Do you even have a mentor? And if not, even Plato, Aristotle and Alexander the Great needed mentors. What makes you think that you don't need one? And is your current mentor gonna lead you to the level of freedom you aspire to get to or do you need a new one? So with all of that being said, I'll see you on Monday.